Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 75 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account using any one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. That's all you need to do and you will automatically get your 27% rate back. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com, that's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. Just search one out our podcast. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email them to questions at oneouter.com. That's the preferred method. Otherwise, you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group or on the Facebook fan page. Alex, this is our last podcast for January. Uh, how's the January, you know, the proverbial January blues? Do you get them? Are you experiencing them? How are you feeling? Life is amazing precisely because the holidays are over. So I'm fi- I'm fine, man. I'm not getting the chance. No, like I lo- I love my family here, but like I I gotta go to, you know, Costa Ricans are really big on the, uh, Costa Ricans are really big on like the celebration. You know what I mean? They don't. It's something I really admire about them is they don't like buy really expensive gifts for each other. Uh-huh. They 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 kind of like let's just get together and let's make a feast and let's talk. You know, and it's like God, what yeah. a healthy thing, right? So. The problem is, is if you don't speak Spanish, you're like, if you ever took an intensive language course and then they're like, today we're going to do total immersion, you know, that's how it is with me, right? Like at every one of these, and it's like six hours and the dialects different, different, uh, are different. And, uh, you know, and for like one day, it's like, okay, cool. That was pretty fun. Day three of me, like intensely listening to everybody and like translating, I'm like, oh, I'm tired, right? So, like, yeah, but, you know, the holidays, uh, you know, I went to PCA. I had a great time. I I got to go in the Caribbean. I got to eat conch. And, you know, my wife and I found this little – it was really bizarre, Barry. She was like – she she wanted spaghetti. She said, like – and she was like, I, I don't know why. I have some – you know, I have a hankering for some spaghetti, right? And then I was like, all right. You know, so I call up the Atlantis, and I'm like, hey, you guys got spaghetti? They're like, we have one option. That's about $54. I was like, okay, that sounds a little too expensive. They were like, uh, we have another place called Olives. Olives has the worst spaghetti known to man, right? And they were like, and uh, you can go to what, whatever. I can't remember. They were like, and that's family size. So the only spaghetti you get is big enough for seven people. And, uh, and the other one is at the pizza place. The pizza place has the worst spaghetti known to man. I was like, all right, honey, no spaghetti, right? And and then we like went for a walk and we found this like restaurant that like workers from the resort resorts went to right so it's just bohemians and it's really hard to find on Paradise Island because it's kind of like a tourist trap and yeah. uh, it was right by the beach it was like going to a different country right and all the plates were really cheap and yeah there was just right on the menu it was like spaghetti and it was amazing spaghetti so it was like you know it's just you know it sounds like. It sounds kind of simple, but I always try to like write those days down because, you you know, I, it, there's so many bad things that can happen to you in life. You know what I mean? And it's just like good days like that are so valuable, and you don't really realize till it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you know, I was pretty blessed to have a few of those. I'm reading this book right now called When Breath Becomes Air, and it was a it, it, it's a it's a neurosurgeon gets lung cancer at 36, and he's not a smoker, and he writes this memoir before he passes away. And it's like oh. you're reading that, and it's like, yeah, you know, life's pretty good here. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, life's okay, yeah. you know. And then, yeah, and but, it's important. It sounds cliche, but it's you, you got to remind yourself that hey, you do forget it. So I always remember the quote on The Sopranos. Um, he's he's speaking to his shrink, Doctor Melfi, like Tony Soprano, and he's saying, um, you know, I was I had the world by the balls. I'm got I was happy and everything, and 
this new you had this new attitude and he's like but regular life has this habit of just kicking that out of you and it's it's kind of true it's like everybody can go around happy and positive and thinking and then they let simple little things in the grand scheme simple little things like knock them down like you know road rage or a parking ticket or the way someone spoke to them in a shop or what you know things like that right right. I i really struggle with that i've been i've been I, in the new year, I've been meditating a lot just to kind of get out of my head. You know what I mean? It's really like I, every time I meditate, I go, well, I failed. Right. Because like my brain like just wanders constantly. Right. And the, but like just deep breaths for like 10 minutes, you know what I mean? And sitting there with no external stimuli, it really yeah. like, you know, I did that. And then like something came up that was hyper stressful. Right. And I was like, I feel, kind of feel outside of this. You know what I mean? I'm not really like just reacting, and it was yeah. it, it was pretty cool. But like, yeah, nor, normal life just does kick it out of you. Normally, you just get so worked up about you know it seems yeah. it seems like a, a lot of people get out of that when they're older when they just have no more energy for it. It's like, yeah, yeah, he cut me off. Like, what, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I know that's it. I mean, I I think that's the thing. Like, like I. My grand's, you know, in, in hospital just now, and I, I was up visiting her, and there's, there's a few people across from her, like, she's in a ward that's, like, for elderly care and stuff like that, and um, you see them, and they're, they're completely oblivious and happy, and it's, like, things, like, you know, not as severe, but, yeah, like, dementia, it's almost, you look at some people, and they're in a little world of their own, and they're happy, and you almost think, like... Is that that bad? Is, is that that bad? You know, because it's like they've got severe arthritis. They can't leave their house now and stuff. But in their head, they're away down to town. They're away here. They're, they've seen this person today. And, you know, it's not reality as we know it. But in their head, it might be just as... Well, it obviously is as clear as day to them. It's like that's yeah. their consciousness, you know? One of my... F- and it's, it's weird. Sorry, go I didn't mean to cut you off, Barry. No, 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 no. Yeah, one of my favorite songs from last year, uh, Snow, Snow Goons, by the way, I know you're a Snow Goons fan. They, they came out yeah. with, uh, you can find it on Spotify. It's called like, uh, I think it's, I think they called it Goon Music. It's just like them and all their, the people they collaborate with did a mixtape. And the last song on that is by a guy named Reef the Lost Cause. And it's, this song is called Talk to Me. And it's him talking to his son right after he found it, after he was diagnosed with autism. And he, in the thing he says in that book, uh, in that book, it feels like a book. It's so well written, right? But it, he, he says in that song, it's like, you're happy all the time and you make everybody's day better and I'll never understand it. But, it, you know, it, I, I don't know if, you know, he's like, I don't know if I'm being selfish because I want to understand that, Right. He's like, you know, you, br- you bring joy to everybody's life and you always seem very happy. So, you know, I, when the doctors are saying these horrible things, it makes me angry. And it was just like, you know, I was thinking this. I was like, this is hip hop. You know, what I mean? when are you, yeah. you going to go on about the Rolls Royce? Come on, man. Who's getting yeah. shot? Like, but yeah, it was just a, it's an incredible track. Like, I was just like, wow, that blew me. Actually, I think it's not the last track. It's like second to last. The last. The last one is by another MC who unfortunately passed away, but it's uh, it, that was the clear ending to the album, in my opinion, was that track. That's an amazing, I think it's called Independent Warriors is the name of the album. Uh, Goon, right. Goon Music spelled like sick, like mu, M-U sick, like I'm physically ill. But yeah, uh, check that out. Really, really good, really good joint. I, I always think it's weird as well. I, I don't know if it's just me, but when I walk around the you know, the streets are, like, yeah, when I'm in the street, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just go, when I'm walking in the street, yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no, like, when I'm, when I'm, like, walking, you know, in the town, or out in a restaurant, or whatever, just going about daily life, I kind of feel like outside, you know, I watch it, and because, I think it's because for years, like, I've worked from the from home, and it's not like, right. you know, it's not like I'm a trade, an electrician, it's like, so I got a lot of time on my hands and a lot of time to think, and I see like if you go around and you're happy and you smile on that and you watch people, it's like the everyone's upset or sad or something or yeah. or just pissed off. I think's better. Or, you know, they're constantly pissed off. It's like you even look at someone and sort of like give a little, you know, like just 
a nod, like, hi, you know, like, it's your passing in a corridor or whatever. It's like, nine times out of ten, like, some people are, like, taken aback by that or something. Yeah, I think yeah. Like that before. It's weird. I think it's this whole culture of, like, constantly being on your phone and, like you say, stimuli, like, Facebook and whatever. They're forgetting, like, what the real world's like to, like, walk around and, like, just interact with another human being that holds the door open for you or whatever. It's like, oh, why is he holding the door for me? Like, that's you know, is he way to fucking rape me? You know, no, it's weird. It's just like, you know, strange in this day of day. And I've noticed a big difference in like, I mean, I'm not trying to, but I've always been like, I've brought up to be polite. You know, I've always held doors open for, for people, not just like older people and all this shit. And I've always said, please, thank you in restaurants and, try to chat with people, you know, when they're serving me, like, whether it's waiters, waiters, bar staff, whatever, and that's done me well in life, in life yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, but the last, like, few years, I just see people, I think, like, the, the, the ones coming through now, because they're usually younger people, you know, that are in these jobs, usually, mm-hmm. uh, students and stuff, and I just don't see, like, uh, like, the communication skills are definitely lacking in, like, the next oh, lot yeah, of people coming really up. Funny. It's just, like, weird you know well i remember like yeah my mom would make me like say thank you to the cashier and stuff like that you know like talk to people and then well i I was talking to my uh i I was talking to my wife and uh you know i was saying like my brother-in-law like he's you know he's looking at getting another degree right and i i i was thinking like i i said to her i was like you know what he needs is to be like a bartender for a year right like or something you know and she was she was actually she she I'm sure if I said that at the beginning, you know, that would have really, she would have been really confused by that. But I've pointed it out in enough situations. I'm like, I'm like, we're going to ask this person if they've ever had a real job and I want you to pay attention what the answer is. Right. And every time I do that and I say the person's never had, you know, like a job with the public, I'm always right. You know, like, Uh like if you worked as a taxi driver, as a waiter or as a, you know, something like that. You end up having to get good at talking to people. It can even just be working a cash register at like a movie theater or something like that, right? You have to, and you need a job where you can get fired from, right? Which yeah. is, and then, uh, but like, I think that educates you more, you know, and I want my brother-in-law to get his, you know, he wants to get a master's in something. I, I fully support that. But I, I think, you know, I, I've always told him, I'm like, man, it's time to get out there. It's time to, you know, you got to be a waiter. You got to be something. You know what I mean? Like it's a. You know, I'm not saying like, you know, move out and be a starving artist, but like you, you got to get out there. Like because he's he's very much in academia, right? And uh, he's actually pretty good because he doesn't spend that much time on like Facebook or anything, right? Like I really admire him because he doesn't like he he doesn't use Facebook or anything, right? But like yeah, a lot of these kids that are just in their cell phones all the time, it's. A, it's great, and it's really weird. Like one of my favorite things when I was traveling the world is I would always schedule a day to just walk through the city, right, and just walk for like it literally like twenty miles, right. And I would stop for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and I it was always my goal to see how far out I could get, right. And sometimes I'd map it out, right. Like in Budapest, it was awesome because you could hit like three museums and like four landmarks like in a row right just walking mm-hmm. down the same street so some were not as good as that right it was really cool in budapest too i found there was a trolley you could take and nobody asked me for my ticket right i was trying to figure out how to buy a ticket and then i got to the front of my hotel i was like oh okay i'm getting out <laughs> and then uh yeah but you know all around the world even this was like eight years ago or something like people were just really scared to talk to other people right you know and then it, it was really bizarre. The countries I found were the best at it, like were the like the Philippines, like Costa Rica, which weren't really affluent. You know what I mean? They were just they. Oh, I remember, like I went out in the Philippines. And I somehow got to this like ruin, like the, this church that like got bombed out in World War Two, and kids were like swimming in like the the craters. It was it, which had become uh, swimming holes because of the rain, and. Uh, those kids were like really affable and like they were, you know, they were from like the ghetto, but like they, you know, they spoke in their halting English and they smiled and they were really sweet. And I was uh-huh. like, I was like, this is kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like you guys are so much better with people like than a lot of people I know in the first world, you know what I mean? Like this is, yeah. you know, they knew how to, 
they very politely asked, can I see your camera? And I was like, oh, okay, this is gone, right? Like, I thought he was going to run off with it, right? But, you know, the guy just looked at it, and it was like, ooh. And then, you know, they passed it back. And then I was uh-huh. like, God, man, these kids are, like, so polite. And he's, yeah, and I just feel like it's getting worse and worse. Like, I, didn't, I hate, I don't know, I, I, I always tell people, like, you know, when I, I've gotten kind of, I feel like an old man. I'm like at dinner, I'm like, why don't we put our cell phones away? Right. <laughs> you know, when yeah. everybody's on them. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I, well, I think it's better. Just on, just on that. I, I think I was away to say something about like the generation, you know, that's now and like younger, my, my nephew that's six, you know, he's sitting with his PS4, his iPad, and he goes on YouTube on his own and he watches kids that are, seven or eight doing these yeah. like, they've got their own YouTube channels so that's a six year old watching an eight year old in America opening Lego sets reviewing <laughs> yeah. them you know on his iPad in Scotland and I'm like holy shit this is crazy yeah like, yeah and part- even someone that's grew up with technology and seen the internet like not from the internet was started like the you know years and years ago but like, I, I was on the internet in like 94 95 you know what I mean like pretty when it first started i mean being like commercial yeah, yeah. you know in terms of like sort of starting that you know citizens could start using it and stuff and um what's scary to me is like um what the next generation of like like if the social awkwardness or, or what we appreciate as social awkwardness in terms of people not like acknowledging you know not saying thanks as your part you know hold the door etc and things like that or not even holding doors for people, you know. I'm using that as the main sort of thing, you know, for society falling apart. Nobody's holding doors open anymore. I think that would be a good precursor. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what I was saying is, like, I, with my grand being in the hospital just now, I was saying to Blair, like, she's the last of, in my family, and, like, of my great-aunties, um and my grandparents, she's the last one surviving, you know, she's 86, and I said, you know, like, once she dies, like, that's that generation gone, mm-hmm. it's then my mum, it's then my parents' generation next, right, mm-hmm. and then it's us, I said, to my brother, Blair, he's, like, three years younger than me, and he said to me, like, something really, like, wow, I, I don't know if, like, he said to me, yeah, and then you're forgotten in two generations, I went, what do you mean, and he says, well, yep. we, don't, we don't know anything about, like, our great-grandparents. We don't know their names or what they did or what, you know what I mean? Same. And it's true. I don't know their first names. Same. I don't know what jobs they had, you mm-hmm. know? But we, everyone's going around with their heads full of this shit from, like, smartphones and Facebooks, and nobody knows what their great-grand and granddad did. And that's only <sighs> one generation above their grandparents, that's you know? That's a good point. So, like, one, in, like, three generations, like, who's remembering us or whatever? It's right, like, right. you know, it's not like it'll matter, really, but it's just a frightening thing when you think of what people spend their energy and time on. Like, your history, like, they're part of you, sort of, you're from that DNA and that lineage, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like, I wonder what they did or, like, yeah, yeah. So I, I like I spoke to my gran and asked, you know, she went, oh, like uh, he was a scaffolder, such and such, and this guy did. Uh, it turns out my gran's uh, dad, so like my great granddad on my grand's side, he was a bookmaker, you know. <laughs> wow. And and her auntie was like a second hand dealer and stuff, and and it, I was like, see, it's weird. It's like that stuff definitely comes down and like you know right. i don't know like genetics is it's weird but i just thought that was frightening it's true it's like you don't know your great grandparents first names right and i'm like yeah, wow yeah, that is you know it's pretty wild it's uh i'll be honest i'm kind of speechless like now that i think of that yeah and it's a yeah well, it, well and it's like <laughs> i've kept like a pretty much daily blog for like 10 years like i i have no expectation my grandkids are gonna read that you know yeah. what I mean? Like, they might, but I doubt it, you know. Well, who, who's going to pay the hosting once you're gone? Yeah, who's exactly. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Yeah, I'm going to have to export that, see if, yeah. see if it comes in. Well, it's, it, it, it's weird because, like, there's more copies of, like, some, you know, Joe Blow's blog from Cincinnati, uh, it, it just with the way the Internet records things, and you can put it on a hard drive, then there probably were of, like, original you know, new testaments, you know, yeah. and it's like, but there's just so much information. You just like overload. I, it's, it, I'm realizing like, just as I was like curbing my email 
use. I, I was thinking like we're in this weird time in history where people, you know, it, we still expect like a letter of ours to get like some, you know, because if you sent a letter to somebody that took a lot of effort and uh-huh. uh, we expect it to just be at least, you know, recognized for that. And uh, I, 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 but like an email can be sent off in like 14 seconds. Right. And, uh, you know, we just, we, we expect people to be able to like, take it, uh, take it like really seriously, but it's like, I get a hundred emails a day and I'm like, no one, you know what I mean? And then there's, I imagine, you know, some like bigger names probably get thousands a day. And then, you know, it's just like, and I'm sure there's lots of good opportunities and great people in there, but it's like, you just don't have time for it. And it's so weird, like coming from, you know, where our, you know, our grandparents could have come from like the Great Depression. It was just scarcity. You know what I mean? It's like if you uh, if you can get a job digging ditches, do it. Right. And then, you know, you go from that to like you're just overloaded with all this crap. You know what I mean? And it chances are you're going to pick wrong if you just do everything that comes through. You know what I mean? And you're going to exhaust yourself. And it's it's just a weird world. And it's like, you're, you're talking it, like the global aspect of it. Like you're, you know, like the seven year old is watching like the eight year old kid. You know, my buddy was telling me his kid is, uh, you know, his, his kid is like selling like, uh, what is it? Minecraft or I, I don't even know the name of yeah. the game. He's selling like gold on there. Right. And there could be some, yeah, there could be some kid from Saudi Arabia whose dad is worth $800 million. And he you know, goes, dad, dad, I need $700 worth of fake gold, right? I need to buy it from this kid in the States. And, you know, he just gets like $700, right? And, yeah. and I'm thinking, it, my first thought was, wow, this is a lot better than, you know, me and Carlos were listening to this. And I was like, <laughs> Carlos said, well, that's not the kind of fake gold I sold as a kid, but like, <laughs> which I loved, but like, uh, he, uh, you know, he said it tongue in cheek. I don't know if he actually meant that, but it was like, it, it was, uh, but like, I was thinking like, that's a lot better than my job at like Arby's for $7 an hour. But I was also thinking like, when I worked at Arby's for $7 an hour, I had to talk to people. I had to like, uh, I, I had to like really be personable and stuff. And then for the rest of, scale. yeah, exactly. And for the rest of my life, I, you know, I always remembered like I used to bust my ass for 40 hours a week and get a check for $444. I remember this. I worked overtime and 40 hours for two weeks and I got 400 something dollars, right? Or whatever it was. Right. And I, I just, I see a lot of guys these days just piss away their money on just like the dumbest thing, like prescription pills and, you know, just buying like, you know, they buy like the new phone. They don't need it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like they've had it, they've had one for six or nine months, and it's like I, I I hate it when I hear that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. But it's like I really do see that. You know what I mean? It's like it, it, there's so much abundance for certain people, and then it's just still so, you know. And I really think that's more accessible these days if you know what you're doing. Yeah. But like we're not trying to educate people on how to properly harvest that abundance. We're just you know, endowing it on a certain group of people. And then another, another group of people have to pick up the pieces and nobody really knows why that line is drawn. And Mm. yeah, I think that's why a lot of people are just bitter. It's like they they see a lot of people doing really, I mean like the stuff that's happened in the last 10 years is insane. Remember when we were in high school, like an MP3 player was in crazy thing because it's like, wow, this thing doesn't skip when you walk around campus. Right. And it's like now, you know, now it's like it, 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 you're it's like mobile phones. Are, alone yeah, they're well, a little you know? galaxy. They're just like you can do everything on that phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can. And it's a I don't know. It's, a, it's really hard to put words to it, but it just, it just feels like it reminds me of like, do you, did you ever read the book Fahrenheit 451? No. It, they make us read it in the United States. It's a it's probably one of the best books ever written. In America, and it, it's just about a future where uh, uh, it, it's a future where eventually there's just so much abundance, there's so much going on that they decide, you know, nobody really has time to do anything. So like Romeo and Juliet gets distilled to like it's really weird. This book was written in the 50s, but it's like it got distilled to a few paragraphs. And I was thinking uh, <laughs> Wikipedia, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, like it turns into Spark Notes, it turns into Wikipedia. 
And then eventually they decided that was a waste of time. So they started, uh, they didn't want people to waste their time. So they started burning books. Right. Mm. And uh, there it's, it's really weird because it's like, you know, a lot of people just, they don't enjoy the simple things like talking to a stranger can actually it's be information overload. Yeah. I think if I could put it into like yeah, there something it is. as simple, yeah, simple. and just sum simple. it up, it's information overload. And you have, really. to, you have to condense everything, and then nothing becomes worth. Yeah, and, and like what you're saying about working in Arby's, like you learn skills, like people skills, and how to deal with people, and how to deal with probably frustration, and get through a shift, etc., etc. Things that have made you, you know, where you are, like like everything you've done has got you to where you are, etc. Yeah. Even if you don't. Even how insignificant it seemed at the time, or even still, it still mattered to you, you know, and oh, it's still part of it. But what what I think is like the, you know, the, my nephew watching the YouTube videos of the little kid doing a unboxing review on a Lego set, and the one you said about buying the Minecraft gold and selling the Minecraft gold. Don't get me wrong; these skills are transferable oh, of for, the coming, for the coming future. But it's it's moving further away from like. N- natural human instinct you know like mm, human, mm-hmm. humans are supposed to uh, interact and be social they're sociable beings you know and I think it's all getting turned very like insular and singular and, and antisocial you know yeah. and so it's it's scary well, and you even hear like I was listening to Tim Ferriss get interviewed and he was relating uh, he he was relating how he got the four-hour work week off the ground and, you know, you're thinking this is a tech guy, right? Like, this is a guy who leverages every single, uh, every single platform he can to m- make himself where he is, right? In fact, he's incredible at that, right? And he was talking about he had to do a keynote speech. And uh, he knew he needed to do that to get the book off the ground. First off, nobody wanted to publish the book. He got into one, pub- he got into one like, meeting where he could tell they were going to, like turn him down and he said look and he looked them right in the eye and he said i'm gonna bust my ass if you give me this shot right and they they felt it and they were like okay you know they they threw him a pittance they were like all right good luck right and then he was like okay and then now he was like okay now i have to like get this to the right people so he had to go to these conventions and these conventions he had to uh he, he, he had to beg to be put on there and he had to like just constantly, he had to find a way to be personable, but not like unlikable, but also mm-hmm. persistent. And then he finally got a speech and then he got up there and his laptop like crashed. Right. And then he had to wing it. Right. But since he had practiced so much, he, you know what I mean? He ha- had it ready. And then eventually he had to talk with the right people doing tech startups that could like, you know, make the book work. And he got, you know, he found a place where all the Silicon Valley, like, hot shots were in there, in there, right? And he talked, he was very kind to the woman, like, taking the jackets, right? And uh, he got in there, and then he was very good at saying, like, I don't know, right? Like, when people would, like, use a phrase that he didn't know, he, he didn't BS people. He was like, I don't know what that means. Could you explain that to me? And eventually people got really curious, like, who the hell are you, right? Because everybody else in Silicon Valley is trying to act like they know something else, right? Yeah. And uh, eventually they wanted to talk to him. And it turned out the woman who was taking the coats was actually the wife of the guy in this room, right, that everybody was trying to talk to. And she saw Tim Ferriss and was like, hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you talk to my husband, right? He didn't even know who he was, right? But he just, you know, he talked. And he, but I was thinking, like, all people skills, all people skills. That's all he yeah. was talking about. That's kind of my attraction to battle rap is like, it doesn't really matter how good you are. It's to have to sit there and influence 200 people is like, it's such a, it's such the antithesis of poker. You know what I mean? Like poker is like you manipulate one guy, you might not even see his face, right? And it's not even manipulation. It's like trying to get people to share in a good time, right? And trying to make a party happen where it's literally just two people talking. You know what I mean? Like, you have to illuminate two people talking. Like, how hard is that? There's no props. There's no technology. There's nothing. The camera could be a camcorder. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like those old horror movies where you'd have to, it'd have to be about, like, the group aspect. Like, oh, crap, it's coming around the corner. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like, yeah, it's a, that, that's more fun to me. But, yeah. All right. I've be, yeah. beaten this to death as per usual. It's- 
It's time for some fucking questions. <laughs> Se- Seneca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Me and Alex have been hammering that on the emails. <laughs> uh, okay, right. First question. Let's get right into it. It is from Paul. Uh, Hi, guys. I'm writing into Vent on my recent downswing. I understand it's part of the game, but I really feel like it's two steps forward and five back sometimes. My losing days are outnumbering my profitable days, and I'm running way below EV. What's your advice for dealing with downswings? Thanks. That's a good question. That's a question we get asked a lot, and I really, I never, I never think like, up. Oh, we've had this one before. It's just one of those, it's one of those, yeah, that needs to be talked about. Uh, the way to be okay in a downswing is to have other things going on in your life. Uh, and this goes if you're a professional player or not, right? And uh, uh, part of, you, you know, uh, I think it's really good to like have, like my my wife is uh she's her band is like almost done with like an album as far as like demos are concerned right and it's really fun like listening to them every day right and like watching the writing process like it's really fascinating just to be on a fly on the wall you know what i mean but like yeah. the other thing is you know my wife is always you know she's always she's super conscientious about like how much time am i spending on this should i be spending more time on my work, right, or something like that. And I'm always like, no, because this is what's going to make you work better and work more. You know, when you're excited about something else, this is going to make you better at your job. You know what I mean? And, uh, it, it, and sure enough, like, her, her, her practice has really, like, blossomed lately. Like, she has more work than most of her colleagues who are just really struggling in that field, right? She, like, has more work than she can handle, and she, she gets to decide what she wants to do, what's really meaningful to her. And I really think it goes like that in poker. Like, if you have other projects, you have other things you're doing, I think that's really good. If you have a job like you enjoy, I would never quit that to become a poker player. Or if you're going to school, I would not drop out. Because if you can find something that's really rewarding with your studies, uh, you're, you're really, you know, if you can go to that and feel like, wow, I'm really getting good at this, I'm, re- I'm really feeling good about that, you know, that's, it, th- those kind of breaks are really good. And I'm not talking about, like, playing video games. I love, like, playing video games. A lot of people are like, yeah, I got hobbies. I play Witcher 3. And it's like, um, well, you know, I, I mean, that's one thing. But, it, like, it should be something that challenges you, like learning an instrument, uh, learning. You know, I, I, I'm not, like, I, I, like I, I hate to bring, bring up battle rap again because I feel like I'm just shoehorning my interests in all the time. But it's like they, that stuff, like, terrified me at the beginning. You know what I mean? And, but I realize, like, this terrifies me, but this is going to feel so rewarding if I could pull off anything. You know what I mean? And then you have that to, like, go to every day. It's like, oh, I'll just sit around, I'll write a couple bars, right? I'll just, like, chill and do that. Or, like, if it's writing or something like that, you have to have some other hobby. It's got to be, or it could be just your fitness. A lot of people really like, you know, uh, a lot of poker players are really into the weightlifting, right? And, uh, if you're really working on, you know, maybe you do those like, uh, I don't know, what do they call them? The suffer fest, right? Like battle frog and uh, tough mutter or something like that. Maybe you're training for like a marathon or something like that. You know, maybe poker's not going that well, but you get in the gym, you sweat it off. You, you feel like, wow, I'm really getting good at this, right? Just having something else to progress on. Or uh, there's, uh, there's this new app, uh, uh, you can get, I think it's like five bucks, right? And it's, a, it's called the Way of Life app. And essentially what it does is you type in a bunch of habits that you want to put in, and uh, you, it, it'll ask you, like, at the end of the day, you can set up a timer, like, did you do this? Did you do that? And it'll be like, the ones I have are, are like, uh, like, I'll read the ones I have just to give you guys some ideas, right? And then... Uh, let me see if I can pull this up on my phone quick enough. So like, uh, and once again, I do not know how to use a s- smartphone. So it's like, uh, you know, you just put on like, uh, so it, you can be like, did you, uh, you know, did you drink eight glasses of water? Did you lift weights? Did you, uh, you know, did you, did you play with your kids? Did you play with your dogs or something? Uh, something like that. Did you obey the, opening, uh, did you obey your, like, uh, alarm 
in the morning, did you, did you uh, eat well? The one I have on there is, did you eat like an adult? That's like, because when I eat, like, uh, I love cookies, right? Like, I, so, somebody got me a bunch of cookies for my birthday, and it's like, I want to sit there and eat the whole box, right? But I'm thinking, like, yeah. an adult would probably have a few of these, right? You know what I mean? And that's in something like that. But, like, if you have a bunch of habits that you want to get to every day and you start, like, it's that Jerry Seinfeld thing, you know, you put up the – he, he would have a calendar, and every time he wrote jokes, you know, they asked him, how do you write such good jokes? And he goes, I write every day, and I just cut out 95% of the garbage. And he's like, you just put up a calendar, and you put up an X every time you, uh, you write, and your whole thing is to not break the chain. It's like, when I'm not doing that well at poker, but I open up, you know, this program, the Way of Life program, and there's like, you know, it has like graphs and pie charts and stuff like that, and I see I just have this chain of, you know... I just stuff I would imagine a lot of high performers would do every day. I feel pretty good, you know what I mean? And it gives me another project to get to. And that, I think that's really good if you don't have like an overwhelming thing, uh, that really keeps you, uh, that really keeps your focus off of poker for some time. What you don't want to be doing is thinking about your downswing all day. If you do that, you're just going to get caught in this mental trap. And it's just, and I have had some legendary downswings, they, uh, what was it? I was trying to find a picture of myself for some, like, article, right? So I, like, Googled, like, Alex Fitzgerald poker, right? And image search, and it said, like, uh, it was, like, asso poker, right? Or whatever it is for, uh, uh, for, for, like, the Italian website. Not, like, you know, I go into the article, and it, like, auto-translated it for me, and they were, like, known for having the worst downswings and BS and drug addict and Alex Fitzgerald. I was like, Oh, okay. Thanks man. Like, you know what I mean? And by the way, this is like a new article, right? I was like, yeah, I've been sober for five years, but thanks guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm the most boring dude in poker right now. And like, but yeah, anyway, so it, but like, you, you know, if, uh, uh, what, damn it. What was I going to say? I, 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 uh, oh, yeah, I used to have, like, these horrible downswings, right, because I was constantly lit, and that was, you know, I, when I was taking over poker, I was playing all the time, and I was doing well, but when I was in a downswing, all I could think about was the downswing and how to reverse it, right? And really the way uh, we think, like, the more we do, we're going to fix it. A, a lot of, like, getting away from a downswing is just... You, you you try not to think about it. It's going back to the lab, and it, it's a lot of, like, getting on hold and manager and, like, running through every filter they suggest there and just see where you're losing money. First off, ask yourself if you should be losing money. A lot of people are really worried if they're losing money from the big blind, but it's like, well, you're supposed to be losing money from the big blind, right? Or, like, if you flat a three bet and uh, you flat a three bet and you're losing money, that doesn't mean you're, like... It, you're you're in an awful situation. You could be saving. You could have raised to 2.5 big blinds, and you would have lost that if you folded. But if you called, you lost 1.5 big blinds, but you still lost, right? But you go through those filters, and you try to see like where am I not doing? You know, look at your opening range from each spot. Which which uh, hand is turning a profit? Which one is not? And just go through that, and you know have. Uh, to me, it's really fun, you know what I mean? Because it, it really is, to me, it's like, I, I feel like I'm building a monster, you know what I mean? I just, I, I feel like you're just, because I remember what it was like to be very bad at poker. I, I remember people like making fun of me and I remember not, you know, I, I remember playing poker for like three years at like live games and stuff. And I told people I want to be a professional poker player and it took all their energy not to laugh because I couldn't beat like six guys uh, grab assing in the back of a brewery and it was like uh it, it you, you know to go from that to like and then i i realized i didn't have the talent right i i just found out one day i don't have it right i i just it hit me like a rock like i do not have that i, I don't have that and then going from that to like maybe i can build a game right like maybe i can you know, I can rebuild him. I can make him stronger, right? Like, <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah, right. But, like, it really was, like, a real moment of hope. You know what I mean? Like, I remember one day I created something. Like, I, I came up with something just sitting there staring at the problem, and it worked that day, right? 
it just it was one of those things I looked at everybody's three bet numbers and I was just like, this is way too high, right? And it, I remember this in like 2007 and it was like right when everybody figured out three betting was the thing to do. And I was like, I wonder what happens if you just move all in, right? And then, you know, so I went to experiment and everybody on earth told me I was an idiot, right? And of course that made me really self-conscious. And uh, if I'd gone on a downswing right then, I probably would have gone, maybe I am an idiot, right? But what happened was the first, you know, like 24 times I four bet, I think I got called like twice or something, right? And I, I final tabled like the 100 rebuy on a Sunday and it was just me not knowing anything, 18, 19 years old or whatever it was, right? I was like, whoa, <laughs> cool. Like, this is pretty neat. And then, you know, when I went through like downswings, my biggest problem is I listen to other people. You know what I mean? And people are like, you're going through a downswing because of this. Poker players are some, you have to remember a lot of people are in poker because they couldn't hack it in a job or school, right? They, they just, for some reason, uh, a lot of my friends who were really good poker players are felons. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, they were felons. Like, they, there was a reason they were like, ah, oh, you're going to the EPT? Ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I'm going to take this year off. That means they're on probation, right? And they're, uh, it, it, but like a lot of these people, like, they really get off on giving people a hard time, right? You can't really listen to them. Or they're just, you know, they're young men that are very self-conscious and they feel like it, maybe if they tear you down, uh, it'll make them feel better. Or if you start doing something different and you succeed, that shows they're dumb, right? I, I've, uh, I don't really understand that, but that's how a lot of people think. But if anybody ever tells you what you're doing is dumb, that's why you're on a downswing, go, great, show me the evidence. And yeah. then what you're going to get nine times out of ten is, uh, like, well, you, uh, you know, well, I don't do that and I'm winning. Well, okay, thanks, bro. Like, that, that, that's awesome. And Jerry Yang won the main event. Like, are you going to imitate him? Like, and then, uh, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? There was, there was one more, sorry. Ah, dang it. I didn't do this, this entire first show. I didn't like lose my train of thought. But. Before you, before you, I'll give you a chance to think. I found something, uh, when this guy, uh, sent in the question, it reminded me, I was clearing out my old laptop and changing it. And I used to have little things printed out, you know, that to remind me like on my desk when I was playing and stuff for like, if you were losing, you know, like big picture stuff, etc. And I found with, sh I'm sure it must have been from Sharkscope because I screenshotted it, and it was like a pie chart. You could show your winning days and losing days. Oh, nice. And I would, and it was for the the one eighties uh, or the one eighty mans, as I call them. I remember, someone was emailing in saying, "When Barris is the one eighty mans, it's like a Jamaican uh, artist or something." So yeah, when I when I was playing the one eighty mans. Um, it was, it's Bob Marley and the 180 man yeah I'm um, drinking water I, I almost spit it <laughs> like, when I was playing that um, I got a screenshot of a pie chart and it was the first 10,000 games and I had an 18 I'm just reading it so I had 18% return on investment and a 10k profit for my first 10,000 games right the winning days out of a year were only 180 34% wow. Were winning days and losing days were 350 66 percent with less than one percent break even days so that just shows you i mean like i was winning 18 percent roi over 10k sample and it was double the amount of losing days than winning days and i think if you look at a lot of winning players if you shark scope them and i don't know if you can access that or if it's only I'm sure you can. I'm sure anyone can access it. Yeah. Look at their winning days and losing days as a pie chart, and I guarantee you it'll be... 10%. They'll all have, <laughs> yeah, they, they'll all have uh, more losing days than winning days. That's just the way poker is, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, it's it really is. Like, well, especially with tournament poker, you could... I mean, you know, you could be... I mean, it doesn't matter if you lose 90 days out of 100 if that, you know, that one day out of 100 you just win the million. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. like. Uh, I mean, not obviously that's not what you're going for. Like, I, I think maintaining a solid ROI is just kind of being a junk man and throwing things back at people to, so you can grind out those small caches and stay afloat. But yeah, like even, I think I know every trick you could find. Uh, you know, the, the one thing I was going to say is eventually I found out, like as I was building my game, that there was 
not that much natural talent is what I began finding out. And that was incredibly invigorating. Like if you looked at most people's career, it was flash in the pan. You know what I mean? And even the guys that lasted for a few years, if you took the time to let, to like look at their shark scopes and stuff, a lot of them were floundering, floundering, floundering. They had this big final table and you watch that final table and they got it in behind like four times. Right. And if they, you realize like there's not that much natural talent in poker. Like there's a, you know, there, there are never scared bees and there are Faraz Jockas. Those guys exist, but the vast majority of players do not, they have to do the exact same thing that I have to do, which is they have to study. And a lot of them just don't even bother. They're just like, I'm going to grind it out because you know, so-and-so doesn't have a HUD, you know, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make it too. You know what I mean? I'm just going to play a lot of poker. <laughs> And see what's going to happen, you know? And then, yeah, it, it really just getting with that excitement uh, for, you know, getting with the excitement for, like, building the game outside of the game and spending more time is usually what, uh, uh, usually what gets you on the downswing, uh, gets you away from the downswings. And a good, healthy, a good, healthy dose of a reality check, like Barry is recommending, is really good, too. I used to keep, uh, I, I kept by my desk, like, uh, I, I kept by my desk a couple things. There's one, uh, uh, I think there's one article in Poker News that I wrote for Poker News. It's like unconventional wisdom for getting out of downswings or something like that. And it's just, it's a lot of reality checks, right? Which is 80% of the world does not have access to a computer. Uh, of that 20%, you know, not that many have money to put it on a website, you know, and then you're literally like 1%. You're literally 1% of 1% of 1% if you've ever made money at poker, right? And then, you know, so really getting mad that you're not like in the top 0.001 percentile is really pretty preposterous. And uh, the other thing that you can do, like your distribution of winning days and not winning days. Uh, another thing I always like to do is I write down like why, I have a, a bunch of my players do this, like write down why you play poker, like, what is it you want out of this? If you, you can't win the game if you don't know what you're playing for. If you're playing poker to play more poker, that's a little bizarre. You know, and it, it, again, we've talked about this before. It's like playing a tournament against yourself. If you're just playing to keep moving up and you're not really prepared it. And you could play that tournament for three, four, five years and then go bust. And that's not really, yeah. you know, you got to write like what you want to take the money off. And I think you have to be like really specific. Uh, you, you have to be really, uh, you, ha you have to be really specific in what you want. If, uh, you know, and it, it's really good if you do like research of it, if you like want to buy a home, uh, let's say you want to buy a home in Costa Rica, that's your dream. Like you should research it and see how much that would cost and how much you would have to make per month, what investments you would put it in, how long it's going to take you. And then if you read that like every day, you're probably not going to throw it off uh, when you're having a bad session because most people's losses are a lot of times like having a bad session and uh, th there's uh, it, it, they're having a bad session and they make it much worse uh, j just because of that. Mom, could you shut could you shut that door all the way? Otherwise, my is going to keep whining. Sorry, guys, that wasn't for you. Uh, but yeah, hey. Uh, my shows that my poodle is outside and they left the screen door like an inch open, which makes him think like, Oh, they're letting me in, but I can't get through. <laughs> and like, he tries to jump his way through, no. you know? And then, uh, no. and then, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a busy I day at this he, house. I thought he was, I thought it was because he was, uh, we're nearing the end of the day as well. <laughs> he so usually kicks off. Yeah. yeah. That usually gets him. That's um, that's into it, yeah. But I we we'll squeeze in one last question we got it. here for this show, and uh, because we did rant a bit at the start, so I know people enjoy the rants, especially we got quite a lot of love for the last one you did. Um, a friend of mine even that listens to the show texted me and said, uh, "Alex's last rant, like uh, <laughs> class or something." Really? And oh. then someone someone messaged me 
on Facebook, they posted it on the Facebook page, like when you do this big rant, and I was like, here, are you, you all right, Alex? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a, are you all right, no, mate? No, yeah. <laughs> Scottish voices, I think. What it, yeah. <laughs> was that, oh yeah, I like lost my mind that episode, right? I was like, yeah. is that the one? I, I've not listened to it back yet, but I do remember you, you ranting, yeah, going off on one. Oh yeah. yeah, that was just like people in their fox rage, or however you pronounce it, faux <laughs> rage, or whatever, their fake rage, whatever they call it, right? It's just, yeah, no, yeah, that, I was actually embarrassed after that episode. I was like, well, can't wait to hear about this one, right? Like, and then, yeah, most people were like, yeah, man, that's what we like. And then, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. And we do get to the questions as well. Yeah. So uh, this one is from Sean Connor, uh, who has definitely messaged in again. I always remember the <laughs> yeah, name. Um, hello, hello, fellas. I'd just like to ask Alex if he could talk about V-Jams. I'm learning uh, sitting goes from scratch, mainly playing the nine-man turbos with the odd MTT session thrown in. I would like to know what I should be looking at and considering before I make a rejam. Having played micro cash games for many years, I'm clueless on this topic. Thanks. Uh, the, the, the way I've gone about this is uh, you can use a number of programs for this. Uh, uh, ICMizer, I think, is probably your best one. But essentially, you set up the stacks and... Uh, you know, you can even get very specific, like, you know, 10 big blinds. 11. If you're playing Sid and Goes, it should be, like, 10 big blinds, 11 big blinds, 12 big blinds. If you're going to play MTTs, you're probably, uh, you know, you, you probably want some more, like, general uh, recommendations around there. Uh, but, I mean, you should go, like, each, each stack. And then, you know, like, 10 big blinds, 11 big blinds, 12 big blinds. And then you do the opening range of the initial raiser, right? Uh, 10%, 15%, 20%. And you see what you can jam mathematically, right? And uh, you, you just try to, like, and it's really easy to set up these models. And, you know, back in the day when we were trying to figure this out, I remember, like, Isaac Haxton got, like, a huge edge in tournaments at the beginning because he could do the math, but a lot of people couldn't do it because we, we just didn't know how to work the software, and the software was in its infancy. A lot of people still don't know how to do it, and the software is all out there, right? And... uh all you got to do is like set up the stack, set up the opening ranges, and then take a look at the jamming ranges, right? And then what you're not trying to do is remember the specifics, right? You're, you, you do, like if you can keep like some notes as to the specifics, that's really good. I do have some stuff like that. But the truth is I don't adhere to it, it, it really like to the letter because there's a lot of times like it'll say like if a guy's opening 50% of the hands and he's calling, I, you also want to put like, you know, you want to make the calling range, like, probably, you know, it, it probably the amalgam of everything there, you know what I mean? So, like, the, uh, of what people typically call with, right? And you're going to find a lot of people tend to call with around the same range of hands, right? So, uh, you, you try to come up with that in, uh, you, you try to come up with that, and then you come up with what you're jamming. Now, usually what's the really... Uh, what, what's the really tough part to quantify there is, is the guy truly opening 50% of the hands? Because uh, if he's opening up 50% of the hands and he's calling 12% or whatever it is, a lot of times it's going to say you can jam any two, right? Depending on the ante structure and whatnot. Uh, should you jam any two? Absolutely not. Uh, because if the guy's opened one hand out of two, it's going to say he opened 50% of the hands, right? And if you just adhere to this blindly, you're probably just going to burn money versus somebody you don't have a lot of data against. So this is why you need note caddy. And uh, you need something that organizes all the note caddy statistics because note caddy, uh, note caddy is really an engine. It does put on some uh, notes there, but it does help to have somebody who knows the game organize it for you. And if I might so humbly say so myself, I think the assassin at HUD has done this the best. But like we do something where it's like, Okay, a guy, we have every position lined out, right? If you're just using hold a manager, it groups a bunch of decisions together. And if you, like, if it'll show you a percentage, and if you click on the percentage, it'll show you the percentage along with some other percentages, which doesn't really help you, right? So, but what we do with NoCaddy is you highlight over it. Uh, what we do with our NoCaddy HUD is you highlight over it, and it'll show you what the guy specifically opened. So sometimes the guy's open three times out of four, but he tabled kings, queens, and jacks. And it's like, well, okay, wouldn't everybody open this? I'm not going to take that, that that seriously, right? And then uh, you, 
sometimes a guy's open one time out of four, but the hand he opened was eight three off or something. And you're like, oh, okay, this guy could just be opening randomly once in a while, right? And it really does become a lot of, uh, these are the things that like give you the basis, but it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's like being a classical pianist uh, to, uh, uh, if you're, uh, a lot of the best jazz musicians did come from like a classical background, right? It, once you learn the basics, you can improvise. Whereas uh, there's no real, like, if it's just general improvisation all the time, not adhering to any laws of gravity in regards to this, you're, going to be floundering most of the time and just burning mother money a lot of the times. So you really want to, uh, uh, you also really want to create like general ranges. Uh, what do people generally open from each position? Right. And just, you know, you can, you, you can kind of look at ranges and go like, yeah, I don't know many people that fold that. I don't know many people who fold that. And you want to come up with these general ranges. Right. And if you're pretty confident in them, you know, when you're playing live and a guy, like, opens the button, I mean, we already have these already. Like, a guy opens the button, you have 21 big blinds, and you have, uh, or you have, like, 19 big blinds, and you have ace-nine suited. Most people, like, generally just jam there, even though they don't know the guy, because they're so far ahead of what the general range is. You just got to set those for, like, early position and whatnot. And then, uh, you know, you ask yourself how confident you are in the opening range. And if you're not that confident, uh, confident, uh, are not that competent in my case, uh, you can clip off a lot of the, at the bottom end of that range you know, and uh, just not really go with it. And also really learn, uh, really learn how to flat from the big line. That's something we really, uh, that's something we really hammered on in why ape styles is right. And I also brought it up quite a bit and that's a check race fool and dissecting the dong, but, but there's a lot of times like a rejam will not be profitable. But, like, say somebody raises, you have eight big blinds and, like, 10-7 offsuit, right? There's a lot of times that, and, and in perf, typical Costa Rica fashion, some car is driving by with a megaphone. So, sorry <laughs> if you guys hear that. But, like, there's a lot of times, like, you call with, like, 10-7 offsuit from the big blind. And you could have a strategy where it's just, like, you flop anything and you jam. If you have nothing, you fold, Right. You, you may drive past my house any time you feel like <laughs> every time the security guard comes and he's like, yeah, it's time to pay for the month. I'm like, I don't know. You didn't get rid of that fruit truck. How, how can uh -huh. I expect you to get rid of a cat burglar? You know what I mean? Like and, and that thing was only three tons and moving at a speed of two miles an hour in the middle of the street. You couldn't find a way to stop it. But like, anyway, uh, th there's so uh, uh, like if you learn how to flat, you, in that particular spot, you could just like jam when you hit, open fold when you miss, and you still would be saving 45 big blinds per hundred, as opposed to if you folded the big blind, it would be you lose 100 big blinds per hundred. And a lot of times, uh, if you're not really sure whether a rejam is profitable or not, you can call and make it a profitable spot if the guy just never double barrels. If the guy never double barrels you, and you're on a short stack anyway, you can be pretty sure he's not going to double barrel uh, bluff you. So if you just hit like a scraggly one pair, you can let it go to a double barrel. And, uh, or if you're really short, you can work on your check jamming ranges. It's pretty hard to make a mistake with top pair. Like high cards are king from short stacks uh, if you flat them. Like king deuce off might not be a healthy rejam, right? But if you have 14x, you should flat. Because if you flap the king... In its top pair, there's pretty much, versus most opening ranges, there's not really, it's really difficult to make a mistake, is what I find out. And a lot of people think, like, when I'm talking about, like, uh, Flopzilla analyses and, like, uh, uh, calculations uh, with Cardrunner ZV, I, I must be getting, like, really particular. Like, no, what you're trying to find is, like, generalities. You want to find, like, you've run the same hand the five times and you can't find a different answer. And the rule that it asks you to adhere to is different than common wisdom. That's what you're looking to. And one of those is just call, you know, people are starting to get into it now, uh, but you need to develop a, if you can develop a bluffing range as well, like there's a lot of times like I call with 12X and, you know, I call in the pot is like four big blinds, four and a half big blinds, and the, I'll just lead 3.2X on the flop, right? Leaving myself 8X. 
Now, most people are like, I can't float this. I can't raise this as a bluff. So if they hit, they continue. If they miss, they fold, which means my bet there needed to work. Uh, it, it needed to work about 40% of the time, uh, you know, or a hair more. Uh, but the guys missed the board 62% of the time or whatever it is given the flop. So I'm clearing a huge profit. However, my rejam would have been burning money, right? So I think to develop a really good blind defense game, and that really is what you should be focusing on, because if you fold every single hand from uh, the big blind, you're losing 100 big blinds per 100. And if you fold every single hand uh, from under the gun, you're losing zero big blinds per 100. Uh, so the way to bring up your win rate the fastest is to save those smidgens of a big blind. Because if you do, uh, let's say you start saving 2% of your big blind on average, that translates to two big blinds. Uh, it, two big blinds, like most people's win rate is like five big blinds. A two big blind increase is a 40% increase in your win rate. And that's off of a very small improvement in an area that I think is rife for improvement. So this is actually most of what we've focused on, my, uh, Ape Styles and myself, as far as like bringing people's win rates up. Because if you can bring people's win rates up, it's really hard to predict how well you're going to do just by looking at general ROIs because you could have just been at the ass end of variance or uh, you could have been very lucky given a variance. But if we can bring up your win rate, that's generally going to bring up everything else at some point. And the way to bring up the win rate, the fastest way I know how is to improve that big blind uh, as far as the rejams, as far as the flatting, as far as the donk betting, as far. And if you guys, uh, if you guys want to learn about all those other programs, go to twitch.tv slash the assassinato. You can read about the different webinars I have on sale. You can sign up on America's card room and get one of them for free. Uh, if you sign up for America's Card Room with 27% rate back, you don't need a bonus code or anything. Uh, just don't put a bonus code in because that tags you into somebody else. And then uh, if, you, if you sign up for that just as a gift, I'll send you one of those for free. Dissecting the donk bet, that's a check raise fool. Uh, those two really focus on saving uh, big blinds. Uh, I can't give you why Ape Styles is right because that's his property. And it's also partially the translator's property. That one has subtitles in Spanish as well. But yeah, it's uh, I, I think rejamming is, I mean, this is what I work on a lot of the time. You know what I mean? It's good to have the charts. It's good to, it, it's good to put on stuff like this. And realize another thing, if I could just put a bow on this. Uh, the more people behind you, the more value intensive your range needs to be. Now, this sounds like, not, like, a, like no crap Sherlock, right? But it's really pronounced once you start doing the equity calcs. Like what you can rejam from the cutoff versus a hijack all in is incredibly tighter than what you can jam from the big blind, right? Or when you're the last person to act, it, what you can rejam, right? Just because if you put three players behind you, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe they're all, all only playing like 5%, which is, I, I think, like a very optimistic, uh, conservative. Uh, estimate, but let, let's say it is 5%. If you just set it at 5%, there's a lot of times like I see a lot of people like rejam like ace nine off, and I'm like, I, I'm like okay, here, let me run the calc, and you're losing 20 big blinds per 100. Nice. You have buried alive your win rate here. Like, and it's like, wow, I never thought of that. But they, what they just focus on is I'm ahead of the initial jam, therefore I must rejam. It doesn't work like that. The only way to really get good at this is to constantly go through your hands, run these hands through the numbers, and see what you can pick up on them. Have a little notebook. Put your overall conclusions. Or if you want to expedite the process, watch me and Ape Styles do it for you and just copy our notes that were made off the back of tens of thousands of hours of playing and 10 years and $10 million in earnings. As we <laughs> So it was $10 million in earnings, which was... You know, and I was like, me and Ape Styles aren't exactly affluent. I was like, $10 million, right? <laughs> like, where the hell? Like, you know. Where is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, well, it's weird when I go to these battle rap events. It's like, why didn't you show up in a Bentley? You know what I mean? It's like, well, uh, you know, and I break down the math for them. And they're like, oh, my God, right? They're like, you know, it's like Def Jam has robbed me or something, right? And then, yeah, anyway. But, yeah. Okay. 
Well, uh, that's just going to close up the... We, that's all the time we got for questions this week. Alex managed to sneak in some of these plugs there. <laughs> you like feel like to hear them, because I think there's people that actually fast-forward to the end and just listen to the plugs. Of course. Uh, yeah, I always to, to do find, that. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to find out uh, how to get in touch with Alex. So if you're one of those people, this segment is for you. Uh, Alex, how can people get in touch with you for in-depth private coaching, one-to-one mm-hmm. sessions? And all the other good stuff you got going on. Write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, my autoresponder will send you every detail on everything anybody's ever sent an email on. No, it's not quite that expansive. But it, it will answer most of your questions quite. And then I do read your emails. Uh, if the autoresponder responds to it, like if it answers everything you ask for, I'm just going to leave it be. But if there's anything in there that, you know, if there's anything in there that, I feel like deserves, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like I answered. I'll go ahead and write back to you. Uh, there's no assistant. It's just me now. Well, I do have, I, I do have a Costa Rican kid that'll work for like an hour for me here and there when I get overloaded, but most likely you're going to be talking to me. And, uh, if, uh, you want to get a personal lesson, it's really important. You kind of get in early. Uh, I'm trying to only do like two lessons a day now. Uh, just because I, I even though I, can do three or four a day. I'm just useless for the rest of the day because I put so much energy into my lessons. So we're doing two a day. And, you know, if you can write in, if we can, but you know, if you write in with a couple weeks ahead of time, we can book you. Right. But, uh, it, yeah, go ahead and write in. We'll try to get that. And, uh, also, you know, I said the Twitch, check out the Twitch stream. You just want to watch poker and hear, hear us, hear myself riff, uh, twitch.tv slash the assassinato favorite it. If, uh, uh, favorite it if uh, you, you want to just get notifications for free. Uh, we already talked about the free uh, webinars you can get off Amer- America's Card Room. Uh, sign up for cardrunners.com. Use promo code FREEMONTH, all capital letters, to get two months access to 2,000 plus videos for just $30. A lot of my, uh, and then it's just $30 a month after that. A lot of my, uh, like, really intense analysis is going up on there. And uh, the, I, you know, I don't, I, I, uh, the, the rate, it's getting pretty high ratings. Uh, every time I take a look at the video, the ratings are like four out of five stars or higher. So I'd like to think that means I I'm putting out a pretty good product. So, you know, be sure to check that out and, uh, yeah, uh, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. Uh, it's just free strategy content delivered right to your email address. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. Uh, just go to pokeredrush.com and, it's right there. You just enter your email and then confirm and you're good to go. And, uh, you guys get strategy articles like a month or two before everybody else. And, you know, I'll run them on the site eventually, but you get them. And you also, I publish, uh, you know, I still freelance for a lot of different sites, uh, as far as like poker content and, uh, as far as poker content and, uh, you, you can see the collection of all of it if you get the newsletter. It'll just be a collection of all of it. from di- So you don't have to like constantly be looking for it or constantly checking out the Twitter, which is really easy to miss. Oh, also follow me on Twitter, at The Assassinato. Uh, follow the face- Facebook page. Uh, all that good stuff. I think that's, uh, uh, I think that's pretty much it. Cool. Sounds like it's it to me. Sounds like lots for people to get involved in there. And uh, I actually get some of the newsletter stuff as well. Well, all of them. I actually get them twice because I get some to my one-hour <laughs> email and some to my personal email as well. And I've been reading them recently and they're very good. And on the next show, we're going to talk about uh, Alex's, some of his upcoming projects, which involves his book that he's getting published, like a professional, actual proper book. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that on the next show. Uh, until then, keep your questions coming in for Alex. Questions at oneouter.com. Thanks for listening, and we, we hope you enjoyed it and got something from it. Uh, until next time, cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. 
Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. 